The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And a good Monday afternoon to you here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we get this week underway. Another Monday comes our way, and this time it's T-minus 22 days and counting until Election Day on November 8, 2022. Again, I feel this is a probably... Not one of the most, I think this probably is the most critical election that I can remember in my lifetime. And I have never really said that about any other election. I've said this is an important one. Uh, This one, I believe, is a game changer, one way or another. And so important for us to, to vote on November 8 and to be informed and to have processed as much information as possible. And we will continue to contribute to that goal for you as uh, as we proceed uh, 22 days from now to uh, November 8. I'm sure you all have your, uh, your ballots by now and uh, are perusing them, making your decisions. We'll go over, uh, review some of the propositions today. By the way, is there any proposition you are passionately against? Or on the flip side of that, is there any proposition you're passionately for. I'd like to hear from you. 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. And again, as we go on through today and the rest of the week, we'll be revisiting some of those propositions as well, although we've, uh, we've covered quite a few of them up to this point. By the way, today, program note, Coming up at 4.30, it's NFL Monday Night Football, Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers at 4.30 today. Broncos 2-3, uh, and three, the uh, Chargers 3-2. and two. Should be an interesting game. Again, the NFL Monday Night Football coming up tonight, 4.30, here on Power Talk 1360, KFIV, and also on Fox Sports AM 1280 as well. So in this campaign uh, campaign season, have you been getting a lot of phone calls from campaigners? I we we got a note here from one of our listeners. She said uh, she received a phone call from an organization doing an election poll. She says wanting to know if I was voting Democrat or Republican in the coming election. I told them I'm definitely not voting Democrat. And she said the organization identified itself as the DCCC. She says the guy claimed they aren't affiliated with any party. Well, she says, I found that odd since the initials were DCCC. She looked them up and she said it's a Democratic organization. It stands for Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. So she says the guy lied. And she's wondering if they were trying to see how many voters they have for against them so they can find a way to keep uh, the opposition from physically going to the polls. Uh, Well, I checked on that just to verify. And indeed, the DCCC is the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. It is the official campaign arm, according to its own website, of the Democrats in the House of Representatives. And they say it's the only political committee in the country whose principal mission 
it is to support Democratic House candidates every step of the way to fortify and expand the new Democratic majority. So I'm just uh, just wondering, have you been uh, receiving any of those phone calls yourself? Interesting. Again, uh, are you passionately for or passionately against any of the propositions on the ballot coming up in 22 days? Our phone number 209-551-3483. Uh, let's go to the phones right away here. And uh, Ed from Tracy. Ed, what's your what's your passion one way or the other? Passionately opposed proposition one. It protects birthday abortion. I agree, Ed. I think uh, the way it's written, especially, it leaves, and I, I believe this is intentional, it leaves a lot of room to to imagine the, the, the boundaries, the thresholds involved. And I, I agree with you, it, it doesn't really put any boundaries on uh, when or, uh, or uh, how many months are involved, etc. So uh, I am with you. I am, I am passionately opposed to Proposition 1 as well. Ed, from your, uh, from your sense of, of California, do you think it'll pass? Do you think there are enough people that will stand up and say, nope, nope, we're, we're not going to approve this? I, I think it's likely to pass. I, I think if we're lucky, it'll come close to 50-50, but I think the good guys are going to be on the losing side. Hmm. I, um, I am slightly more optimistic, but very cautiously optimistic. And I, I think what it's going to take, Ed, is a lot of folks who may not normally vote to come out and vote. And I think, Ed, one of the things, uh, one of the assumptions we make is that all Democrats uh, are supportive of abortion as a method of contraception uh, up until uh, the uh, the birthday, so to speak. I'm not sure that, well, in fact, I know it's not true universally. There may be a majority, but I don't think it's true universally. Uh, so I, I join you in being passionate about passionately against Prop 1, I am cautiously optimistic about uh, Proposition 1 falling, but uh, but we'll see. Ed, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate that. So Ed's saying yep, he's, prop- he's passionate about not seeing Proposition 1 pass. And again, that's uh, guaranteeing abortion rights in the Constitution. I always find it interesting to look at who and what are supporting these propositions. So supporting uh, Proposition 1, abortion rights groups including Planned Parenthood, uh, their affiliates of California, and NARAL, Pro-Choice California, the California Medical Association, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the League of Women Voters in California are for Prop 1, and the union SEIU uh, for it as well, uh, as is Equality California, Governor Gavin Newsom, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein, U.S. Senator Alex Padilla, uh, let's see, Senate President Pro Tem Tony Atkins, that's the state Senate here, uh, State Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon, 
California Democratic Party and Healthcare for All California. Those are all in favor of Prop 1. Those opposed to Prop 1, uh, the California Alliance of Pregnancy Care, Pacific Justice Institute, uh, my friend Brad Dacus there, excellent, incredible, incredible nonprofit, by the way. They do a lot of good work, not just here in California, but across the nation as well. The California Catholic Conference, the International Faith-Based Coalition, and the California Republican Party. So uh, those are the uh, pros and cons lined up for Prop 1. Again, I am cautiously optimistic about it uh, failing, but only cautiously optimistic. It's going to be an uphill battle. And I think a lot of people that may not normally vote and a lot of people that you might think normally would vote for it may vote against it. Uh, We'll see. Again, T-minus 22 days and counting. And uh, we'll see how that... By the way, uh, I hope you'll join us on the evening of November 8. The Mike Douglas Show will air as normal from 3 to 5 p.m. here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And uh, then we'll take a break after 5 o'clock. We'll come back from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock p.m. So we'll be uh, on the air as the polls are closing in California uh, to give you not only a glimpse of uh, what trends are happening in California, but also the nation as well. So it's going to be a big night here on uh, Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Also, when we think of big events, I think of selling a house. And I'll tell you, (laughs) my experience has been I'm not a wizard when it comes to selling property. I need help. And right now, of course, I, I think more help is needed as mortgage rate increases are impacting home sales. Wall Street Journal says uh, home sales are down an average of 20% from this time last year. So there's one agent I would trust with selling my own home during a market slowdown like this. And that's Dan Phipps. Do you have a growing family? Are you working for a home? Do you need more space? Well, call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan will sell it for free. His home selling program is designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. No required costly repairs, no long-term contracts, and you pick your move date. Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Dalton and Oakdale had a great house. Dalton had planned on fixing it up throughout the years, but says life got in the way. Uh, Dalton in a panic because Dalton needed to move out of state and the house needed to work uh, to, to sell it at a decent price. Well, enter Dan Phipps. Dan was able to sell the house quickly for a great price and get this, without any repairs or upgrades. So call Dan Phipps. Dan's the man I recommend, and I'd hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S, Dot com. Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. 
Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And let's get back to the topics that affect you and me directly here in the Central Valley of California, here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. This just in from Ashley Zavala with KCRA News. They, uh, she is reporting that Governor Gavin Newsom has announced that the, uh, the emergency declaration, the state of emergency for COVID-19 will be terminated at the end of February. Huh. There's an interesting announcement coming 22 days before the election on November 8. And uh, Newsom's officials say that this is meant to give state and local government businesses across California time to prepare. So they want to give them plenty of time to know that the emergency declaration will come to an end in February, towards the end of February. Uh, Apparently, uh, Governor Newsom said in a statement throughout the pandemic, we've been guided by the science and data. Mm -hmm. Moving quickly and strategically to save lives. What do you think about that statement? The state of emergency was an effective and necessary tool that we utilized to protect our state, and we wouldn't have gotten to this point without it. Well, I agree with him on that that we wouldn't have gotten to this point without it. It depends how you view that. With the operational preparedness that we've built up and the measures that we'll continue to employ moving forward, California is ready to phase out this tool. Of course, with this uh, is the announcement that uh, physicians in California, surgeons and doctors and such, are, are not allowed to discuss their personal opinions of things like COVID-19 vaccines, masking, et cetera, with us. No, no, the state of California is uh, dictating to doctors what they can discuss and what their private views have to be, at least private views that they express to their patients. So uh, there you go. What do you think about that? What do you think about the timing? Again, uh, the headline here is that the COVID-19 state of emergency in California will be terminated at the end of February. So, uh, that, uh, you think that's uh, timely? I, I, <laughs> I think it has, uh, the timing of it has everything to do. I think it should have been, uh, it, it should have been pulled a long time ago. But, uh, but that's just, just me. Speaking of elections, and as as we take a look at what's happening up and down the state, this drama down in uh, Los Angeles with the L.A. City Council continues to unfold. Uh, If you uh, remember, there was a a big dust-up over the fact that then-Council President Nuri Martinez was involved, apparently, in a conversation with uh, Kevin DeLeon and Gil Cedillo, uh, involving redistricting, and then it uh, devolved into what many people feel are racist remarks about redistricting. And so, in the uh, first of all, President Nuri Martinez she stepped down as president, 
and then has resigned totally from the L.A. City Council uh, this week. Now, uh, De Leon and Cedillo have not, and apparently... um, Apparently, uh, city council members Paul Krikorian and Mike Bonin both have COVID-19. So whatever council meeting is going to happen tomorrow is going to be uh, virtual. Uh, Apparently, uh, on Sunday, yesterday, protesters with Black Lives Matter Matter gathered outside uh, De Leon's home demanding his resignation. Apparently, about 24 people set up tents and said they're going to camp out overnight and stay there until uh, Councilman Kevin DeLeon resigns. And they had a meeting scheduled for last Friday, but it was canceled because of of protests and because uh, Council Members DeLeon and Cedillo uh, weren't there at all. So that continues to be an interesting uh, mess down in uh, L.A. So what if, if that was in your city... Do you think they just ought to resign and allow the city to, to to move on? Or do you think, if they think they're in the right, ought to stand their ground? What would you want for your city in that regard? It's an inter- interesting interesting question. Again, it, it, the, the remarks were, were obviously uh, had racial tones to them. And uh, the public is saying, we want you to resign. You know, there are things in life. Have you been faced with a situation in the past where you made a decision that you didn't want to make, but you did it for the good of everyone else? And I'm not saying these people have to do that, the De Leon or Cedillo have to do that. But I'm thinking, aren't there times in our lives when we make a sacrifice, a personal sacrifice for the good of the cause? I remember many, many years ago, and I'm, I'm not going to go into the details, but I was in the right on a, a certain issue, and I was sticking to my guns, but as you know, I have people in my life, men of great wisdom, women of great wisdom, who have my permission to speak into my life and say, Mike, what you're doing is not productive. What you're doing may be dangerous. I think maybe you need to reconsider this. So I I have, and they're precious few. These are people that I implicitly trust, that I've built relationships with over the years. And I think those people are important in our lives. Anyway, they said, yeah, you're in the right, but if you stick to your guns on this, it could have a ripple effect that would not be good for a lot of people in a lot of different situations in our town. And so I said, all right, I will step back from this and I will bow out of this. There are times when we have to do that. And I'm wondering, and then there are precious few. You say, well, if, 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 you, if you're right, why, why don't you stick to your guns? Well, because there are times when proving you're right are, is counterproductive. Being right is good. 
because that means you're being righteous, you're, you're standing in the light of truth. But having to prove that you're right sometimes is very counterproductive. I have counseled couples <laughs> for many years that there are times, especially in relationships, especially in marriage relationships, where for, for the good of the relationship, one of the other partners might want to consider saying, you know, I don't feel that way. I am not prone to this decision, but I know it's important to you, so I'm going to make the sacrifice for the good of the cause, for the good of our relationship. And I don't know. What do you think? I'm, I'm wondering if perhaps that's what needs to happen in Los Angeles so they can move on. Do I think they should be intimidated? No. Do I think it's right for people to protest? Yes, First Amendment rights. So I think it comes down to what's good for the city? What's best for the city? All right, Mike Douglas Show continues in five minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll be right back. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. And again, uh, just about an hour from now, we'll be joining uh, NFL Monday Night Football. It is the Denver Broncos, 2-3, and three, versus the Los Angeles Chargers, 3-2. and two. Ought to be a good game. Again, that's coming up at 4.30 today on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and also on our sister station, Fox Sports, AM 1280 as well. Uh, we uh, asked the question a, a bit earlier in, uh, in the show today. Are there any propositions you are passionately against or passionately for? Coming up in 22 days on November 8. And uh, so far we have two votes passionately against Proposition 1, and of course that is, uh, that is the proposition that basically would codify uh, abortion without a lot of details on it in terms of how many months, etc., uh, in the California Constitution. Uh, we have uh, a, second, um, a second vote here from uh, our listener Bob. He says, no, on Proposition 1, this is my red line. So it sounds like that Proposition 1 is is the one so far that uh, had, has generated the most passion, and at least uh, amongst our listening audience here, it appears to be passionate, uh, passionately against. Again, if you're passionate about a proposition or against one, love to hear from you, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Talking about messaging... Do you use the iHeartRadio app? I love it. Use it almost every day. If you tap the red talkback mic on the app when you're listening to Power Talk 1360 KFIV, you can send a voice message to me, the Mike Douglas Show, or our producer. Again, when you're listening to Power Talk 1360 KFIV on your iHeartRadio app, just tap the red mic- microphone and you can leave us a message, a voicemail message. And if it's, if it's a brilliant, sizzling comment like so many of you have, 
We may even play it on the air as well. So just a reminder for you, when you're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, especially here on the iHeartRadio app, kudos, kudos to law enforcement up in Stockton. On Saturday, as I'm sure you've heard, police arrested 43-year-old Wesley Brownlee, who they believe, the police in Stockton, is responsible for six deadly shootings that began in 2021. If you remember, uh, the first one that we know of of this at this point, at least according to Stockton PD, was in Oakland last year. And that, uh, that string of deaths is now connected to five deaths in Stockton. All of the shootings, by the way, have been linked to one gun. According to investigators, many of the shooting deaths in Stockton took place near the suspect's home or those of his relatives. And Brownlee was armed when he was arrested, and they think that he was hunting for more victims when he was encountered. Uh, He does have a criminal history. They say he's being held without bail on open charges, including felony murder. And that... That involved good police work, from from what I understand. And they had uh, folks out there, boots on the ground, and they were putting uh, leads together. And so uh, our, our kudos to Stockton PD and all the law enforcement agencies who helped them to take this evil man out of circulation. Now it's up to the justice system in California to keep him out of public circulation. And, of course, that'll depend upon juries and and judges and such. Uh, what What do you feel about, what do you think about our justice system right now? You say, well, why are you saying, why are you saying that? Well, there's, it, it just seems like it is too easy to pull the mental illness card. Now, I I believe if someone truly is uh, is mentally incapacitated and they can't tell right from wrong, then perhaps they ought to be treated differently in terms of sentencing and such than someone who can, that is rational, and can tell right from wrong. Well, let me go back to this example of this Florida Jury. Remember last Thursday, a jury came back in this uh, uh, case involving Nicholas Cruz. If you remember, he was the suspect. He pled guilty to 17 murder charges and 17 attempted murder charges related to that 2018 mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. So the 12-member jury deliberated last week for seven and a half hours And jurors, as you know, at least in Florida there, must unanimously recommend the death penalty according to Florida law. The ultimate decision will be up to the judge. Well, apparently there was at least one juror who felt, no, the death penalty is is not appropriate. Now, the reactions have been very interesting. And I've I've heard many from... uh, Many people who say, look, giving someone the death penalty needs to be difficult, but it doesn't need to be impossible. And the feeling is in many places around America today, it's almost impossible. Now that assumes, 
for the argument's sake, that people making the argument are for the death penalty. Many people are not. But for those who are for the death penalty, I think many agree. It, it ought not to be easy to convict someone and sentence them to the death penalty. But on the other hand, if there is a death penalty in the state, it not ought to be impossible. Otherwise, why is there a death penalty? This is very interesting. I'm going to play back-to-back, just to get your impressions of this, comments from the Broward County Public Defender Gordon Weeks. And uh, this is the public defender that defended Nicholas Cruz in this trial. Listen very carefully to what he has to say. And again, I'm going to play these three back-to-back. This is the system that we all cherish, that we all abide by, and supported by our Constitution. I would also hope that this day is not a day of celebration, but a day of solemn acknowledgement and a solemn opportunity to reflect on the healing that is necessary for this community. I hope that we as a community can respect the verdict that was rendered, respect the process that was had, and understand that those jurors have spoken. And as a community, we can now begin the process of healing. So, let's go back and remember that Nicholas Cruz was arrested for, pled guilty to murdering 17 people in the 2018 mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. 17 people killed. And when, let let me play this last comment from the public defender. I hope that we as a community can respect the verdict that was rendered, respect the process that was had, and understand that those jurors have spoken. And as a community, we can now begin the process of healing. So do you think this verdict uh, or this uh, uh, jury decision on sentencing, rather, is going to promote healing for the community in Florida there in Broward County? What if you were one of the parents of those children who were murdered by Mr. Cruz? Well, let's hear from one of them. Lori Aladef and Dr. Elon Aladef are the parents of one of the Parkland school shooting victims. Her name was Alyssa Aladef. And first is uh, the mother, Lori, and then second is her father, Dr. Elon Aladef. They're reacting to the jury's decision last Thursday. 17 people were brutally murdered on February 14, 2018. I sent my daughter to school and she was shot eight times. I am so beyond disappointed and frustrated with this outcome. I do not understand. I just don't understand this. I'm disgusted with our legal system. I'm disgusted with those jurors. I'm disgusted with the system. that you can allow 
17 dead and 17 others shot and wounded and not give the death penalty. What do we have the death penalty for? What is the purpose of it? You set a precedent today. You set a precedent for the next mass killing and nothing happens to you. You'll get life in jail. I'm sorry. That is not okay. As a country, we need to stand up and say that's not okay. I pray that that animal suffers every day of his life in jail. And he should have a short life. Obviously, you hear the passion and and the gut-wrenching process that the parents of Alyssa are going through. And I, I think at times like this, one way or the other, we ought not to take their comments and either celebrate them nor convict them about them. Uh, it's who it's who they're being at the moment. I can't imagine, and I hope I never have to imagine, getting the results of a, a jury vote on the sentencing of someone who would have shot my daughter or, or my son. So I think what we're hearing there is is the very real and raw reaction of parents that are just tied up in knots. Can't imagine what they're going through. But I do have a question for you. Do you agree that this sets a precedent? And again, uh, the issue may be whether or not you believe in the death penalty, but but let's let's take that out of the equation for a moment. It there is a death penalty in Florida. So that's not in question here. They're not voting on whether Florida ought to have a death penalty or not. They have one. And given that they have one, how how do you feel about this particular verdict? Do you think the father is right here that a, that a precedent has been set? Um, Governor Ron DeSantis was very disappointed with this jury result as well. Here, here are his comments. If you have a death penalty at all, uh, that that is a case where you're massacring those students with premeditation uh, and utter disregard for basic humanity, that you deserve the death penalty. And so the jurors came back. Apparently it was 11 to 1 with one holdout refusing to authorize uh, the ultimate punishment. And that means that uh, this killer is going to end up uh, getting a same sentence of people who've committed bad acts but acts that did not rise to this level. I just don't think anything else is appropriate uh, except the capital sentence in this case. And so I was very disappointed to see that. Governor DeSantis also was a little upset and expressed what sounds like his frustration with the time it took the legal system to work this case. Remember, this happened back in 2018. It is now 2022. Here's Governor DeSantis. Also disappointed that we're four and a half years after these killings and we're just now getting this. You know, they used to do this. He would have been executed in six months. He's guilty. Everybody knew that from the beginning. And yet it takes years and years in this legal system that is not serving the interests of victims. So I was very disappointed to see that. So what do you think? Do we have a justice system? It it is the rule of law. 
and I I believe in the rule of law, and the rule of law is a double-edged sword because we as humans are fallible, and we know that justice is not always served by our judicial system. Is it perfect? No. Do I believe it's probably the best judicial system in the world? Yes, in theory, in print, in practice, it always comes down to the human factor involved. So what do you think about this case? Is this a good decision by the jury? Or do you feel that they made a gross error as the parents of one of those victims and Governor DeSantis Feels. We'll go back to the phones in three minutes. Our number 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes. You're on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Keep the conversation going as we're mulling over this decision rendered by a jury. Apparently, the vote 11 to 1. Uh, and if in order to obtain the death penalty sentence in Florida, it has to be a unanimous decision by the jury. We're talking about the case of gunman Nicholas Cruz, who pled guilty to murdering 17 people back in 2018 at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. What do you think about that decision, about our judicial system? How does that strike you? We've heard from the parents. We've heard from the uh, the prosecutor, uh, uh, rather, uh, from the um, uh, defense attorney, the public defender, and we've also heard from Governor Ron DeSantis as well. Now let's hear from you. 209-551-3483. John from Valley Springs. What are your thoughts about this case, John? Thank you, Mike, for taking my call. I'm very disappointed in myself. What happened to our Judeo-Christian system where it says, God's word says, on the account of two or three witnesses, the judgment will be and should be should be uh, uh, executed. Uh, here we have a, a one out of what seven uh, out of eleven uh, twelve juries put a middle finger up not just to the whole nation but to God Himself, and I don't I I'm very disappointed. There's no justice in that. How can that one person over overrule uh, all the rest of them? It should have been uh, uh, announced as, um, as um, how they say, uh, when, when they cannot come to agreement. The, 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 like, uh, like a hung jury, that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And it should have, been, should have been again taken account. Yeah, I, I think this, was, this is not justice whatsoever. Yeah, and John, here's, here's the the. St- Sticky issue here, and that is you have we we have to work within the confines of the law itself, and and this what you raise really is an issue. Should we have a different law? And, and the problem is in Florida. The problem here uh, for people that 
that feel that uh, Cruz should have gotten the de- uh, the sentence of the death penalty is that the law says the jury has to be unanimous. One person can can upset the apple cart, so to speak. One person can negate uh, the death penalty. Now, the question comes up, John, should that law be changed? Should it be a different ratio? Should it be a different percentage of the jury? Uh, is you know, and, and the, the, again, the to me, the sticking point here is we have to operate within the confines of the law itself. And according to the law, he can't be executed because there was not a unanimous decision. So do you think, do you think perhaps, and we'll have to do this quickly, I'm running against the clock a bit. Do you think that they need to change the law in Florida? Yes. Uh, yes, they have to change the law. I don't think this is just law. And, and as, as we're living in this uh, socialist country, I think this is um, portrayed uh, wrong, uh, put a wrong law in, the, in, in power, and, and it's done because of, um, I think, um, you know, the majority, I guess, of those who think to uh, show, like I said, middle finger to all of us, and that's how that that law passed. And we know that, that they have no justice in, there's a dual justice in the United States. This the, law should be changed, definitely. Uh, John, that's thanks for your comments. Appreciate that very much, friends. We'll continue the conversation in five minutes when the Mike Douglas returns after news, traffic, and weather here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Again, we'll be right back in five minutes. The show you love, talking about the issues that are important to you. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. And your concierge for conversation back on duty here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas Show, thanks so much for joining us today. Again, a program note today it's NFL football coming up at 4:30 today, and so uh, we'll um, we'll look forward to that. Uh, we've been talking about uh, very emotional and serious, and and I, I would say deeply troubling issue, and that is the Florida jury and its opinion that by 11-to-1 vote that Nicholas Cruz, who had pled guilty to murdering 17 people and 17 attempted murder charges related to the 2018 mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, the 12-member jury, in order to recommend the death penalty, must have a unanimous decision. And last Thursday, their decision was... 11 to 1, one juror saying no, he should not have the death penalty, and, and therefore the jury was unable to, uh, to make that unanimous recommendation. So we're working through what does that mean? Does the uh, previous caller, uh, John was saying, I think the law ought to be changed, that 11 to 1, how, how can, in today's world, how can anyone possibly be convicted of and sentenced for a death penalty if it has to be unanimous? 
And and again, I've brought up the issue. Many people are saying, look, even if we believe in the death penalty, it ought to be something that is difficult to attain, but not impossible. The question is, is it even possible to have a jury be unanimous for a death penalty? And again, we discussed, well, maybe some folks believe the law in Florida needs to be changed. Well, let's get your opinion on this case, 209-551-3483. And let's go back to Modesto. Loretta, what's your question today? Well, on this murder case with one different, I wish to ask if it was checked in any way, if he was on any kind of a narcotic or what kind of medicine did he take? Some medicines and all narcotics can cause a case where a person can even walk and talk and even sign their own name, give their own social security number and all, and not remember one bit of it. So I'd like to know why someone doesn't read research on it, because this is probably very true. But we need something done like research done on this. Well, uh, Loretta, thanks for the call. Let me uh, let me answer that. I don't think we have an absolute answer to it. Uh, I do know that uh, Mr. Cruz admitted to the crime. He had knowledge of the crime. He pled guilty to the crime. And in fact, <clears throat> let's see, where was this? Uh, his brother had been interviewed... I can't remember the particular, uh, maybe it was the U.S. Sun. Anyway, it was about a year ago, almost a year ago, uh, October. And his brother was interviewed and basically said that he didn't believe that Nicholas, his brother, was under the influence of drugs or marijuana, uh, and and that uh, Nicholas himself was not blaming marijuana for the crime. And so as far as I know, and again, I have not gone through the transcripts and I didn't listen to the whole, uh, the whole trial, but his brother said, quote, my, I just brought it up here, my brother pled guilty and accepted responsibility for his crimes. So it's not a case of... Uh, Nicholas Cruz not remembering it. In fact, he did remember it, and he accepted the fact that he committed the crimes. Now, uh, his family is saying he does have mental illness. Now, whether or not he's on medication for that, what medications he's on, uh, I don't know. But uh, as far as having a recollection of the crime, it appears that he does. And that uh, in in front of the the judge and the jury, he said yes, he remembered it, and um, and he he pled guilty. So uh, I would say that to make the case that he wasn't aware of what happened uh, is probably not the case. I think uh, what what may remain in question is whether or not his mental illness was an issue here. So it, it's significant, I think, that the jury, there were 10 jurors, uh, well, I'm sorry, 11 jurors that said he should receive the death, death penalty and one juror who, who did not. 
And so it's an interesting, uh, I understand uh, your, your question, I believe, uh, Loretta. But as far as I know, drugs were not an issue, at least at the time of, of the crime. And he did have uh, recollection of it. Interesting question. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Do you think in cases where the death penalty is the law that it ought to be contingent upon jurors having a unanimous opinion for that death penalty? Listening to the father a couple of minutes ago, uh, his his concern is we've set a precedent. So the question is, if, if it's not the death penalty, should someone who pleads guilty to a horrendous, who killed a lot of children, should someone who pleads guilty to that not only get life imprisonment, but should there be something beyond that? And I don't know what beyond that might be. Uh, is it solitary confinement? Is there something more than other people who have life imprisonment? That's an interesting question. What do you think? Do, do we need to revisit the whole concept of when, when these hellacious crimes happen that are unconscionable? Do we need to have stiffer kinds of sentences when there is a conviction and when someone gives a, a, offers a guilty plea? Nicholas Cruz saying, yes, I plead guilty to murdering those children. And again, I, I can't imagine being one of those parents, and I don't, I don't fault the parents at all for uh, their reaction to that. But it, it does beg the question, do we need to revisit if we have a death penalty, what it takes to get that sentence. Is it almost impossible now, if we need a unanimous decision from the jury, is it impossible to get the death penalty, or is that the way it should be in your mind? Our number, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. And uh, I do agree with those uh, who would say if we have a death penalty... It ought to be difficult to sentence someone to death, but not impossible. And is that one vote uh, against the death penalty, is that sufficient in your mind? Again, our number here, 209-551-3483, uh, status that you may be aware of, but uh, let me uh, remind you of it, that horrible uh, shooting, again, in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, that 15-year-old suspect accused of a mass shooting in Raleigh, North Carolina, apparently is himself still in grave condition. Uh, Governor Roy Cooper uh, says the state is still reeling from what happened. ABC News spoke to law enforcement uh, this would have been yesterday on Sunday. And they report that the teenager is continuing to get treatment in the hospital for life-threatening injuries. If you remember, he was taken into custody following a, ser- following a series of shootings that killed five people and injured two others. 
And so we'll um, we'll see what happens with that. The 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 violence, the evil that that is becoming so manifest in our culture today is astounding. I think, and I don't I don't think there's any one thing that we can point to. I think many factors contribute to this. One of them is, and and we have to say in Sacramento and in Washington D.C. and with a lot of uh, attorneys general at the state level and a lot of district attorneys, their unwillingness to prosecute fully under the law, their unwillingness to sentence people as the law is written, and basically their unwillingness to do their job in terms of enforcing the law is there that, that is there. And then beyond that, to prosecute the law even-handedly across the board. We don't see that. I don't see that happening, especially on the federal level right now. Uh, what I see is or are the, the FBI and other law enforcement officials and the law itself being very heavy-handed in terms of political opponents and very light-handed uh, in terms of those who may be on their own side. I think we need to return to a day where we hold government officials accountable. In fact, I think we might benefit from some laws that say if prosecutors and if attorneys general do not do their job and flagrantly disobey the law in terms of prosecuting and in terms of sentencing, that they themselves ought to be prosecuted. I I think we're at the point where we it it to me it goes beyond well let's yank their their lawyer license. Well, big deal. Then they get a job with a network news and and make seven figure salaries every year. And to to me, no. To me, I, I'm, I'm all for creating some laws that say if, you, if it can be demonstrated that you don't do your job, you may be prosecuted under the law with a sentence, whatever that sentence might be. What do you think? Good idea? Bad idea. 209-551-3483. We'll talk about it in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show as we continue on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show again in uh, the not-too-distant future. In about seven minutes or go uh, or so from now, it'll be uh, Monday Night Football, the Denver Broncos, 2-3 and three at the Los Angeles Chargers. They're 3-2, and two. again, that action on the NFL comes up at 4.30 today in just a few moments here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and on our sister station, Fox Sports AM 1280. Adding to things to mull about, about our judicial system, about the state of where we are today, fairness and unfairness. How about this? I am sure you've heard by now that J.P. Morgan Chase Bank has chased Kanye West. 
Yeah, apparently uh, Chase has uh, sent uh, him a letter basically saying uh, we've decided to end our relationship with, I guess the company is called Yeezy, or maybe it's Yeezy LLC, and affiliated entities, and to provide the company with sufficient time to transition to another financial financial institution, we will continue to maintain the accounts, including all related products and services, until November 21. So very graciously, Chase Bank has said, Kanye West, who's now, what he wants to be known as Ye now, right? So anyway, they're, uh, they're saying we, they, they really didn't say why they were, um, they were closing out his banking relationship. I'm looking at the letter right now. And uh, now they're they're just saying that uh, by November 21, 2022, uh, we're going to close all your accounts. And we ask that you promptly transfer your business to another financial institution. Now, it's got to be because of his outspokenness, I would think. So the question is, what what's happened to the First Amendment in the United States of America? Now, I know it's it's a chase, is it's a bank, and I suppose they have the right to to decide who they want banking with them or not. But when it deals with apparently, we think issues of freedom of speech, does that mean that? If Chase, if you have you and I have a Chase account, if we have a Chase account and Chase decides, no, I don't like what you say on the air, Mike, or listener, whoever it might be, Mister or Mrs. or Ms. Listener, we don't like what you say on the air. We don't like what you write in editorials, your letters to the editor. We're going to um, close your bank accounts. Well, yeah, it's a private institution, right? But I've got to think that Chase is among those high-profile banks that at some point in time, if not currently, accept government funding or bailouts or something, and they're under federal... And to me, if... I mean, the FDIC, that's federal, isn't it? If, if the federal government is involved with a bank... To me, that bank is responsible for carrying out the tenets of the First Amendment, and that is allowing people the right to say whatever they have to say. And again, I come back to the, the, the proposition that the First Amendment, free speech, the marketplace of ideas, is not, not about being right. It's about information. So freedom of speech says you ought to have the freedom to be wrong. Now you say, oh, what about the theater example? Yeah, I know that, but this is not a theater. This is not where uh, people are going to trample each other running out of a theater. Let's be real about this. I, I think we're at a point, again, on November 8, where we're in a car that's careening for the cliff, And if a lot of people with honor and integrity and rationality don't show up to vote, 
we may careen off that cliff. But I, I remain cautiously optimistic. I do. Even in California. Do I think California is going to change much? No, but we can start chipping away at it. Because the irrational opposition has been chipping away at it for many years. Look what they attained. We can do the same thing. Rational people. People who don't want to see socialism. People who don't want to see the California government deciding what doctors can or cannot discuss with their patients. Those of us who believe that a state ought not to be using public funds to ensure that abortions can be attained. That's something that really should be up to the individuals. But to use my tax money to promote abortions? Nope. I I think that's a, a serious example of that car careening towards the edge of the cliff ready to go off. I do not want to be the California Union of Socialists United. No, I don't want to be that. I don't want to live in that type of environment. I'm willing to stay the course and fight it. I'm willing to stand up for what's right. I hope you are too, and I think the best way we can do that is start at the local level, make our voices known, and the biggest thing we can do is make our voices known on November 8th. And I don't tell you what to do. I just encourage you to vote because I know you're intelligent and that you will take all the information that you have and put it together to make reasonable and rational choices come November 8th. I'll see you tomorrow at 3 p.m. NFL football coming up here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I'll see you tomorrow. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.